Welcome everyone back to the Santa Lanch. This week we are finishing off The Well of Ascension, Mistborn Book 2, with chapters 57 to 59 and the epilogue. I'm Dak, and with us is... Dita, Joe, and Jamie. So yes, we've tied the book off, big cliffhangers going on, uh, there's a whole, there's a little bit more politicking between our sub-kings, I guess you'd call them. Bin goes down to the well, makes a big mistake, turns out there is something down there which... Could be a tentacle monster, I'm not sure. <laughs> and then and then Says just loses all his faith completely. So, strap in everyone, the sand lanch is about to begin. Elders tell us, keepers of the bottom, treasures of the dirt. Russian string, we swivel and sing, and dig for the animals of the earth. And we try, try, try to keep a little beauty in the world. So, yeah, we had some stuff happens at the end of this book. <laughs> There's just too much. What do you guys think of these three chapters? I thought they were good. I'm a little confused about... I think the big the big thing is obviously what's in the well and what Vin does to release it. I'm just confused about the method of its internment and, internment and uh, how the hell it affects the world around it to change the prophecies and everything that says and Quan have been saying it does so i'm a bit lost there but i'm sure we'll figure that out in the next book the story itself i'm like all right that was an effective way to cap it off and nicely sets up the third book so yeah no i was i was good with it i wasn't angry like you predicted i would be <laughs> i think that one email that i was talking about that somebody sent in where they're like this is the the most frustrating book is because you get to the end and you realize that like you've been lied to the entire book and it makes some people very unhappy i can see that it doesn't bother me too much knowing that a lot of stuff was sort of a lie. I just, I just need, yeah, I need, I need to know how it happened. I need to know how the thing was uh, affecting the prophecies and changing the wordings and everything else. So once we figure that out, I'm sure I'll be cool with it. Like that's the only thing that really got to me. Everything else was fine. I enjoyed it. So I hated the end of this book. I don't think it was well written. I don't think it was well ended. I probably what may you know maybe after I read the third book I'll have enjoyed the story as a whole but there was no closure and quite honestly I'm angry and I don't uh, ever want to read this book again. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So a lot happened, but yeah, <laughs> yeah I still feel like we I, I sort of agree with Joe a little bit. We didn't get like all our it raised more questions I think than it answered. Which is fine. We've got another book. In terms of us being lied to, I wasn't angry about it, especially when it's like you can't trust words in metal. I was like, damn it. It's like Ted Soon all over again. So there's one little one little thing that we had to pay attention to and we would have figured it out. But <laughs> in hindsight, I could put it together and kind of go, ah, uh, yeah, okay. I, it makes – like I don't really understand how it happened, but – I accept that it happened. I didn't hate the ending of the book. It was very fast, and I think we sort of found that at the end of the Final Empire as well. It was like it sort of comes down to that last couple of chapters, and there's a lot that unravels very, very quickly. Yeah, that's true. a lot to process. So, yeah, but it definitely sets us up for another book, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, Please. you can see 
You can definitely see why <laughs> I said the first, the Final Empire feels more like a standalone story than like these next two books. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. If this was the end, if there wasn't another book after this, <laughs> I would be mad. No. Yeah. That's a good. Yeah. But I like that you mentioned it's just like the very first line of the thing is like, I write these words in metal for anything not set in metal cannot be trusted. And it's like, dang it, why didn't I pay more attention? Like, it, he told us. He said what the <laughs> yeah. thing was. and uh, Straight away. And we've already had a lie. We've, and I think that was the thing. We we knew that Tensoon had lied the whole time. And that it was sort of from the beginning. And I was kind of like, ah. Oh. Is a common theme of this book. Everyone's lying. <laughs> yeah, they kind of are. People, jerks. <laughs> okay, well, I guess let's get into this. Speaking of people who are jerks, because the first scene is with our three uh, new sub-kings. Let's see. So, the epigraph is just another bit that we've read again, where he's like, I, it's, I've sent Rashak to kill this guy, and it's kind of a distant hope, because he survived a lot of things before, but I hope for a miracle. And I assume that you guys, and when I was talking to Joe uh, yesterday, it was a, a bone of con- of confusion. I assume you guys picked up on the fact that the, the epigraphs are the actual text, like unedited or unchanged. And then all the stuff that we read within the chapters is potentially changed. And really, I thought you guys would spot the first change. When we started out, I made a prediction where I was like, oh, I think that they'll get this early. Because the, the very first change that we get is... That we read that Alendi is tall, and I made a point when we got there, I'm like, yeah, I guess so Alendi's a tall guy. And then in chapter, like, 30, I think it was, there uh, is the first time where Sazed is reading it, and it's like, Alendi's short. And I was like, ah, oh, I thought they would spot the... But it was, like, buried in a mountain of text about, uh, you know, it was just yeah. like, here's a big block of text, so a lot of which you've already read before, so you kind of miss it if you don't maybe know what you're looking at or for. Anyway. Yeah, I think too we have a like uh, we're reading small chunks at a time. So by the time we sort of put that together, it's because I think I think you said that you thought we'd figure that out kind of around like the eleventh episode of this book, ten or eleven or something like that. Yeah, I was, was trying that- to be, not be too exact because chapter thirty was uh, let me think was when it happened, and then that's episode. Cha- uh, yeah, chapter thirty was episode ten, but I didn't want to be too exact, so I was like, you know, ten or eleven, somewhere in there. Yeah, so I think if it might have been one of those things we picked up if we'd actually just sat down and read the book, mm. but because we and we're so busy like dissecting so many parts of the story, and at that <laughs> yeah. point we probably had so much political going on that it wasn't really a big focus for the characters either. And so, like for me, I was kind of like, all right, well, we're obviously going to get this piece of text later, um, like we did in the Final Empire, so we'll we'll have a chance to go through it in a lot of detail. Now, I didn't realise that that would be in the epilogue, um, <laughs> not actually further in the story. <laughs> but, uh, like, while what they were saying in the epilogue, uh, so epigraphs was interesting and sometimes fueled some thought, it wasn't really forefront for me going forward because I was like, we will get this again later. So there are subtle differences, but I think the way we read it, we just wouldn't have picked it up, or I didn't pick it up anyway. I kind of like the way it worked out better. I think it's more fun to discover it at the end where it's like, oh, my gosh, really? Like, <laughs> Damn I, it. Guess it's, I guess it's just because um, uh, we spent we spend most of the book like worrying about as, as far as mysteries go. But who the, who the Kandra is, who the mm-hmm. spy is, is probably the biggest mystery. And the just and the plot of how the hell they're going to get out of 
this predicament they're in with Luthadel under siege is the biggest driving thing. So you don't even know that there is a mystery or a problem with these prophecies. So we weren't looking too closely at them. We were look like we were looking to find answers on other things. So we didn't bother trying to find the answer with this. And even when they started talking about inconsistencies, so when Sazed and Tinball were talking about it, we were, we were just like, okay, <laughs> sure, kind of weird. But now it all makes sense, except for all the things that don't make sense. But anyway, <laughs> so we start out the, these ch- this chapter with Set and Gennaro and Penrod kind of arguing because Set wants to send armies back to conquer his uh, part of the Empire. And nobody else is really interested in that. And then we kind of find out here in a minute that Gennaro is like, oh, yeah, so there might be some issues up north also. And uh, maybe, you know, we're not going to be able to get the supplies from there. And Seth's like, oh, I see what you're doing. You just want to go take back your country. And so it's a whole thing. Everyone wants to, except for Penrod, who's like, hey, my city's fine. So, you know. And while all this arguing is happening, Sazed is supposed to be refereeing this thing, basically. But he doesn't really care all that much about this. And he chides himself about it. He's like, no, no, I, you know, I care. Uh, Vin's my friend and I want to help her. But he finds it really hard to want to get involved. And part of that is definitely, you know, what he takes it as, which is Tindwell's gone and he's still really, really unhappy about that. But uh, when I was reading the annotations, he talks about there's a piece to this that's um, he says just doesn't have the leadership skill set. Ellen was this bookish guy who had this desire to lead kind of deep down that has been brought out and like refined and he's all king ish now. Says doesn't want that even deep down. Says wants to be like says he wants to be a scholar and He's really kind of out of his element trying to be in charge of these people. And we saw it earlier when he was trying to be in charge of the meeting, but we see it again here. I'll have to go back and read the first book again at some point because uh, 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 he's obviously just shattered by Tenwall's death. Fair enough. But uh, part of my mind, was something that was going through my head when reading this is just like, did he ever i don't think we ever mentioned tinwell in the first book but it was a case of did he ever acknowledge that there was someone he loved because in the first book because i feel like that would have been a i don't know just it's really come out in force in this book when i don't i don't recall if it was even foreshadowed in the last one i'm like was this always a part of his character i don't think it was no and he was very private in the first book about himself i feel like so i feel like we didn't get a lot of personal stuff about him Fair point. I guess it's hard to get this stuff when you don't see inside their head, which we didn't do until this book. Well, and the way he's he's even I think he talks about in these chapters, the way that he always looked at it was like that. Basically, he wouldn't ever have that sort of thing because he's a eunuch. So that was not going to happen for him. And so he had this. It seems like he's always liked tint will deep down, but he just knew he's like, no, that, that's not a thing that's ever going to happen. So I probably wouldn't want to talk about it either. Just <laughs> always repressed it. Yeah. And Says has to keep reminding them that Vin is not, as Set tries to say, just the best Mistborn. Vin is like something else entirely. Because they still don't know about the Duralumen or, uh, you know, how she does all the crazy shit that she does. He's like, did you not see her take command of the Coloss and fly out there and chop freaking Straff Venture in half? Not, She's not just the best Mistborn. You need to check yourself, Set. 
And I like that Penrod tries to be like the referee between these two because it puts him in like this position of being above their petty squabbling when uh, Gennaro and Set are fighting. But he's like, you know what? I think you guys are all looking at this wrong. Lots of people have tried to set them up since the Lord themselves up since the Lord Ruler fell, and they're all getting killed and overthrown and stuff. But we now have these two who look like that as long as we're under Ellen Venture and his magical wife, that we may actually get a stable government. And he's like, I'm more than happy to give my allegiance to the Venture couple if it means I'll still be in power 10 years from now. And Seth's like, huh, yeah, no, that's a good point. Because he didn't last long. But it's been a year or two since the Lord Ruler fell, and he's already lost his uh, kingdom that he conquered. But General's like, well, we need direction. Like, surviving the next 10 years, I suspect, is going to depend heavily on my not ending up dead on the end of the Mistborn Girl's knife. And they're like, yeah, say, when's, when's Vin going to come back and take charge? And apparently she's in a coma or something. And he's just like, no, she still needs to sleep. It's fine. It's been like a week or something, I think he says. And she's not woken up. So um, that's not great. And I can see why he would not want anyone to know about that. But whatever she did to the Coloss apparently is keeping them under control. I guess that makes sense because she was she was effectively soothing them. So she's calmed them the hell down. Like they worked themselves up to a bloodlust and she got rid of it. So, mm. yeah, we still don't understand really anything about how this works. Her controlling the Coloss. So, nope. So I can see why nope. Says might be concerned that, you know, she's in a coma. What if she dies or what if she never wakes up? Are those Coloss going to change their minds about killing everyone? Uh, and we cut to Ellen and Spook who are outside the city. And the gates have been broken down, but I, we see humans bearing corpses, so I don't know what happened. <laughs> Ellen says, can you see whose flag is flying over the gates? And Spook uses his tin to look, and he's like, huh, yours. And Ellen thinks, either they managed to save the city somehow, or this is a very elaborate trap to capture me. Which, yeah, that would be. <laughs> For a whole city. Put his flag up, maybe he'll come back. <laughs> And we'll come back to Sazed, who's still kind of just being sad about Tindwill. And he's like, I don't know why this is so different. I've seen all these other people die, like Kelsier and Jaden Will and Krenda, who we've never heard of. But he's a he's a former steward. Yeah, he's got lots of friends, right? It's fine. Well, lots of bosses, I think. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know Jaden Will or whatever sounds like another terraceman to me. He had like that same as Tindwill, sort of. Yeah, true. And so he's looking at, like, the research that they did, that he and Tindwell did together, and he's like, man, what was the point of any of this? Like, Tindwell, you, you never even believed in this. Why did you put all this work into this with me? And they, they, he starts bringing up some of these contradictions, which actually mentions that one that I mentioned from earlier, where it's like the hero will be, it will be tall of stature, and then this other source says that the hero is going to be short. Quan's rubbing says he was a man of small stature, but who seemed to tower over others. And then we get to the part that surprises him, and I assume probably surprised all of you, where there was a place for Quan in the anticipa anticipation. He thought himself the holy first witness. Yeah, that just set off alarm bells. What? What? No, that can't be right. <laughs> and we just talked about last episode, that whole announcer thing. Yeah. So I don't know. At that point, what do you think is happening here? Well, at first I was like, maybe... Maybe someone who's familiar with the prophecy was talking to the, oh, goodness, I can't word, um, Kelsey's religion. The scar? Oh, yeah, okay. The, the scar, but, right. yeah, I thought maybe that was happening and they were familiar with it. But 
then you've got Sayers going, hang on a minute, how come this didn't ring any bells for me before? So I'd say this is something that's probably been changed, whatever this force is that's changing the words has used what they've said in the text. Because otherwise he was like, I this didn't I didn't think about this before. Because we've heard the word like we've heard it used as announcers, but we've not heard holy first witness apart from what Demu's group said. Right, yeah. So I would say it's whatever this whatever this thing is that's actually changing it is messing with saved. Yeah, it's kinda like what Quan was talking about, where it's like the prophecy begins changing so it fits somebody better. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, look, Sazed, here's that thing that people were saying. That's part of the prophecy, too. Don't you think now that it must fit Vin? Yeah, that's exactly what they wanted it to say. Yeah. But he's interrupted in thinking about this because Vin shows up and she's like, Sazed, you shouldn't have let me sleep so long. He's like, yeah, you didn't really give us a choice. You were comatose. You had a big day. <laughs> yeah. And she's been pushing herself for months with Burning Pewter stay awake. So he's like, yeah, no, this was going to happen at some point. And she starts she starts telling him it's like the well, of, we're not done. The well of ascension is here. And he's like, no, I mean, come on. I lied to you about that. I don't even know if that if it's really a thing. And she starts talking about how she drew upon the mists one time, which apparently she hadn't mentioned him before. I don't know how many people she's told in general. And he is just as confused as everyone else about what that even means. And she comes up with the explanation that we've been looking for, at least an explanation, about how could the well possibly be here now. And she's just like, hey, look, the stories say that he created the ash mounts and that he made the vast deserts around the empire. He broke the land in order to preserve it. So if he can create mountains, why couldn't he have flattened some mountains? Which it's yeah. When when Vin's going on here about. Uh, you know, the, the things he must have done it's like oh yeah he's done it to try and hide the well he's and now knowing what's in what's in there and what gets out like you can see what he was trying to do the whole time he was tr- uh, he's been trying to keep this thing hidden and away from people because people will go looking in the mountains for it and they won't find it mm-hmm. um it's actually quite a clever game there by Rushek. yeah so i don't know we talked several times about like how could the well have moved and we had our bucket theory that it was something like that that you could just move and I don't know that we actually knew before. We knew that the, you know, the ash started covering the sky at about the same time the Lord Ruler ascended, because before that things were green and the sky was blue and et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know that we'd established that the Lord Ruler created the ash mounts himself and like. Hey, I've been saying since day one the Lord Ruler created volcanoes yep. somehow. <laughs> True. Oh, <for> <laughs> So, yeah, I, we kept talking about it. I'm like, I wonder if anybody will just be like, you know, maybe he just used his super magic powers to move it and squish mountains or whatever. But I don't think we ever uh, got in the right mindset of thinking that he was quite that powerful. It does make more sense than the well actually moving. <laughs> so. Yeah, I feel like when she explains it, even though she's it, it's it's framing it. So says is like, oh, geez, she's gone. She's kind of lost it at this point. She, this is crazy. But I think that the way she frames it is like, oh, well, no, that makes sense. Like, if you had the power to completely change the world and create mountains, then why couldn't you do exactly this? And she's like, that's what I would do if I knew the power was going to return. Hide the well and let the legends about it being in the northern mountains remain. Yeah, let the legends remain. And like the little mist ghost or whatever, whatever the monster is in the well is just kind of like, man, i got to do all this rewriting now. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, it is. I don't know if it's strange that the thing never changed something to be like, no, the well is not in the mountains. It's underneath the Lord Ruler's palace. 
So that might well, be a little obvious. <laughs> I, I, the impression I got was that because Rashek knew the whole story and and he put everything on, and because obviously he took the power and didn't give it up to release the thing, he knows the consequences. He, yeah, if if uh, if the monster had changed the like any of the any of the prophecies or anything, he Rashek or the Inquisitors under his command would have noticed and. Because, I mean, the Inquisitors, especially with Marsh here, it seems like they're trying to uh, break the thing out. But while Rashek was in charge, it didn't seem like they were trying to do that. Or if they mm. were, they, they hit it very well. So if the monster had changed the prophecies to say, yeah, yeah, the world's actually under this city, Rashek would have noticed and um, created another purge or something, probably. That's a good point. He, he may have been watching out for exactly that sort of thing. Yeah, it's like all this revelation is about you know the nature of the well what's in it has made me think a lot more about Rushek and what he was doing he's still an absolute monster for his for enslaving everything but you can see like i think just he's probably felt some sort of responsibility of trying to keep this monster contained and i think that more than anything else is like is what drove him insane to become a mad despot so Mm. yeah i mean it definitely put some stuff in a new light where he's like you know i i was saving you and now we're we have an idea of part of what he was saving them from, maybe. Yeah, yeah, like uh, yeah, I think it's just like the the big twist is the fact that oh, like yeah, the mists are a problem, but it turns out they're not the only problem. I think that's the bit we didn't see coming. Yep, we've been concentrating on the mists and things because they're scary, and we don't understand like you know the deepness and what it's doing. But it turns out there was something uh, possibly worse out there, we just don't know yet. Uh, mm. Okay. So voices outside, and we find out the king has returned, and we cut to him being like, "Yeah, I don't know how she controls the coalesce either, dude. Uh, it's crazy." Man, I'm surprised I'm still here. Brandon forgot about me completely. <laughs> I was almost on the slab. <laughs> like I passed out outside Keep Venture, or not Keep Venture, Keep Hastings, and when I woke up, we had won. So, so we cut Vin and comes and hugs Ellen, and she's like, "I think I did something bad. I made you emperor." And he's like, "Yeah, I noticed that, and I accept." And She's like, you're not mad, you know, because we didn't give people a choice. He's like, I'm beginning to think my opinions were simplistic, honorable, but incomplete. And then she's like, come on, we're going to the well. She just grabs him. She's like, we're going this way now. Don't even give him a chance to, like, sit down. He's just hiked back to the city, Vin. He needs a chair. <laughs> maybe a meal. Well, and really, bringing him along doesn't work out too so well. In the end, maybe it works out well for him. In the middle, it does not work out super well for him. Yeah. <laughs> And we cut back to Says, kind of watching them go, and uh, he finds that little piece that's been ripped off, which we debated at the time when it started happening. Like, is somebody trying to hide this information or somebody trying to draw attention to this information? And it kind of I guess it kind of turns out that it's uh, they're trying to draw attention to the fact that this sentence is wrong and you should pay attention to that. The sentence that like Alendi must not be allowed to reach the well of ascension for he must not be allowed to take the power for himself. Really, that has been the contentious part, because we even just a couple weeks ago, when we got to the part where Quan's like, I have no doubt that if he takes the power, he will give it up for the greater good or whatever. We're like, well, then what the hell have you been talking about this whole time where you're like, he must not be allowed to take the power for himself. How does this make any sense? It makes sense because that's not what it said. But also, it's like if the if the monster can rewrite the prophecies and stuff like that, why is it bothering to steal the corner? Dak, I think you're misunderstanding what's happening. The Miss Spirit is definitely not on the side of the monster. Oh, that's right. Yes, no, that is... That's right, it's the spirit that's doing this, not the rewriters. Yep, never mind. 
I, I, for some reason I still had it in my head. It was like, was it? Did we, like, I don't know. I must be misremembering. I thought it, I thought um, Marsh was the one who took the corner, and he's obviously on the side of the monster. But that was one of the theories that we had about who was taking the corner. I'm not actually sure that anyone guessed the mist spirit was the one who was ripping the papers. So. Yeah, I'm just talking about that's revealed here. Yeah. 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 No, I missed that. Disregard. And uh, then we cut back to Vin and Ellen walking to Credit Shaw. And I was like, but why? And there's a weird exchange here where he's like, Vin, the mists are acting weird. And she's like, I know they're guiding me. And he's like, no, they kind of look like they're pulling away from you. And we kind of just leave that where it is, which is uh, some <laughs> weird stuff happening. Critic Shaw, but why? Makes me think of marijuana. But why? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I think we're going to find your adium, Ellen. He's like, what? We searched here already. And she's like, nope, not not well enough. Which she ends up having to, like, burn Duralumin to flip, like, a secret switch in the wall while bracing herself against, like, some the metal inlays in the floor or something. So it's not hard to believe that they didn't find this. Oh, and him and Spook have come along also. Which, by the way, are no help. Well, Nobody's Ham's helped, helpful. not even a little. Nah, I mean, not... Uh, Ham helps Sazed. Yeah, but... he says, saves Sazed's life. Sorry, I can't... That's like a tongue twister. Saved Sazed's <laughs> life. Yeah, but uh, he really he really wasn't helpful with Vin and, and Ellen, and Spook definitely was not helpful. Well, I think they immediately get Spook's distracted. when he found food. Yeah, exactly, by all the food. <laughs> He's like, look at this food, I'm so hungry! Well, he has also just been hiking through the wilderness for like a week, so... So where where were you when the world went to hell? In the pantry. <laughs> I was in an underground cavern full of food. I was stealing the Inquisitor's food. Their secret stash. <laughs> this is the secret Inquisitor pantry. Uh, I like how, how we cut... fruit have a spike in it? <laughs> They're toothpicks. You just, you know, it's like a cocktail party. <laughs> uh, yeah. I like when we cut back to Sazed right here after they find the secret stairwell. Secret tunnel through the map. Okay, sorry. It's immediately Quan being like, I must continue with the sparsest detail, which is the sentence that we always make fun of so much because he just <laughs> can't shut up. Yeah. If he had, if he had talked, if he had etched faster, we would have gotten to the end of the epigraphs before the end of the book, we would have known what was going on. <laughs> that would have been funny if, like, halfway through, it's like, because he must not be allowed to release the thing that's in prison there. And everyone's like, wait, what? Yeah. It's like, yeah, you spent all this time talking about it. The most important part you threw in as a bloody footnote. Well, to be fair, when we read the actual thing in the epigraph, or the epilogue, rather, he, he kind of talks about it a little more than just that. Yeah, it's just true. that all of that gets edited out, apparently. And yeah, the, the rubbing's got... <laughs> Uh, they, they must have like the thing must have taken all reference to it out of the rubbings. Yeah. It's like, no, no, I like my privacy. Taking, <laughs> taking that out. I did not give you permission to, to note that down. That's being deleted. That needs a citation. <laughs> well, it's interesting that if you write it in metal, it can't be changed. But if you put it in a metal mind, it can be changed, which was the problem Quan was having with people was that all of these ferrochemists just trust all the information in their metal minds. And apparently this thing can change that. But Sage reads back through this section of the rubbing again. He's like, there's something wrong with this sentence, this holy first witness thing, and I don't understand. And he starts pulling out some of the things that Tindwell also found, the, these contradictions, and that's when uh, he gets a friend. And the mist spirit pops up in the room. 
And uh, it says Saze felt like running, like scrambling away in fear, but his scholar's mind dredged something up to fight his terror. Elendi saw this thing, and Vin claims to have seen it as well. And so he asked the thing what it wants. And for a second, he's like, could it be could it be Tindwell? Like some religion claims some religions claim that like the dead can come back, which is something we've actually talked about. Like, could this be somehow spirits of dead people? That does not seem to be the case in this case, but we don't know. It does not. I was disappointed. (laughs) Whatever it is, it knows about the corruption happening to this page. I'm, I'm still not ruling out this could be the ghost of Quan. And I was about to say that if it's a ghost of someone, Quan seems like the most likely, right? He's the one who would know what the page is supposed to say. But I guess the ghost could have gone and read it in in, in credit or not credit Shaw in the conventicle of Saran at some point. If you're a crazy mist ghost, maybe you get bored, you go around reading stuff. Maybe the mist ghost is the hero of ages. <laughs> Stop to read the original text. Uh, alternatively, like the mist ghost could be Rushek. Hmm. And he's, he's just like, guys, you need, you are fucking it up here. Like, I can't do anything but help you now. I hate you guys because you killed me, but I need you to sort this shit out before you make it worse. Well, yeah. Russia couldn't have been the original one that Elendi saw. To say, right, he could be this yeah. one. Yeah, I was about to yeah. say, you know, Quan couldn't have been the original one. So, I mean, maybe mm. this is the original mist thing. In which case, it would have to be something much older. Yeah. Mm. In any case, Says decides that he needs to do something. He's like, Vin wouldn't take the power for herself, would she? What if she didn't have a choice? And before he can think too much more, someone screams outside, and uh, he has to run out of the room. Meanwhile, Vin and Ellen and Ham and Spook are going down the secret staircase. And at the bottom, they, Spook, Spook goes first, and then they hear, there's food down here, cans and cans of it. And Ham goes after Spook, and Vin's like, no, 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 we got other stuff to look at in here. There's a strong source of metal over here, maybe that's your adium. Because she knows that Ellen thinks the adium is important. She doesn't seem to care that much about it at this point. And apparently there's, like, a lot of, she says they go through the cavern shelf after shelf, so there's a lot of shelf space down here. And what they find is a map of the Final Empire on a sheet of metal with Luthadel marked, and then another city called Stalton City marked on the map. Ellen's like, huh, why, why is Dalton City Circle? She's like, yeah, I don't know. But that's not what we came here oh, for. Oh, shadowing! <laughs> yep. No, I'm sure that'll never come back in any way. No, not at all. <laughs> Sage runs out in the street, and there are uh, people screaming. The Miss Spirit's trying to get his attention, and is apparently using Allomancy on him, he thinks, which we found out earlier it can do. I thought uh, I thought they were screaming, we're not going to take it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was the end of the first book. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> right now, Vin saved them. They're all very happy. They want to take it. He finds a dead guy, a dead ska. And it's like he says it's like the killings that he was found down south where the people supposed the mists made people fall to the ground and thrash about. And he looks at the spirit and it's like, you did this. And the spirit shakes its head and points toward Credit Shaw. And he realizes that there's too much they don't know here. And they should not rush into take the power, don't take the power. They they need to just take a step, just take a second and figure out what is going on before they decide what to do. Which is totally, I think, a sazed move. It's like, we need to research further and not just go out and do shit. This has always been Vin's thing. She's like, I'm not going to, I'm just going to do what feels right. Yep. Because if I think about it too much, things go to hell and I wind up with Zane. <laughs> 
uh, Zane, you sucked so much. Everyone's glad you're dead. Uh, I'm gonna keep taking shots at him for a long time. <laughs> in our in our D and D campaign, my character is a warlock who has a familiar, and it's a little like imp familiar who likes to tempt you towards evil. And he's like, "Hey, let's kill that guy." So I named him Zane. And when I said that was his name, Joe was like, "Oh, crap." <laughs> I think that was before Zane died, though. So, uh, yeah, that maybe. Seems more like Zane's Zane's god. Oh yeah, yeah, it's true. I couldn't name. The, I I considered it actually naming the imp god, but that seemed a little bit uh, messed up. <laughs> hey God, what, can you go check things out for me? Sure, boss. Because <laughs> he can turn invisible <laughs> and like sit on my shoulder, so it totally would be like, "Hey God, what's up?" Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> but says he's like, "Okay, I gotta stop Vin. We gotta slow down, take a beat." And so he goes to Credit Shaw to find her, but instead he finds Marsh. Who pops out of the shadows like a freaky, scary freak. Yep, which uh, he is now. Uh, yeah. He's like, what are you doing, Sazed? What are no you doing, beer Dave? And, yeah. No beer and no TV make Marsh something something. <laughs> Go crazy? <laughs> Don't mind if I do! Uh, Classic. And Sazed is like, Vin, Vin's found the well. We gotta stop her, Marsh, before she does something. You should not have come here, Terrasman. Yeah, you're just going to get in the way. I wish, I wish I understood. Understood what? I wish I understood why I have to kill you. And then he attacks him and says he's sorry. Yep, that's definitely, uh, that's definitely some kind of God speaking to him inside his brain box. Well, I don't know, because Zane had God tell him to kill people all the time, but Zane didn't have to. He made a point of being like, you know, I cannot, I I kill who I want to kill. Yeah, but Zane lived well, with that for a long, long time. Mm. I don't know. Marsh has only been dealing with this for like a year and a half. So I don't really know that we can really give give him the same strength as Zane. Because Zane had been dealing with it for a very long time. And for all we know, when he was younger, maybe he did just kill whoever the voice told him to. Mm. That's a fair point. It's possible. Also... Zane only seemed to have the one spike in him, whereas Marsh has the whole lot. Ooh, that's true. So maybe like there's more control being exercised by the god voice because of the extra spikes. If number of spikes is relevant, yeah, the, the Inquisitors would have it a lot worse than Zane, you're right. So mm. the amount of metal in, in your body. What you got, I gotta get and put it... No. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and we get the next epigraph, which is Alendi must not reach the well of ascension. A half of a sentence that we have seen many times. And so the Ellen and Vin are walking down this uh, stone tunnel and they get to a second smaller cavern filled with a thick, dark smoke that stays in the cavern, does not like seep out of it. Kind of like the mist doesn't go inside of, you know, buildings and stuff. Usually who's burning incense. <laughs> she's like, come on, I see a light up ahead. And then we cut back. See, this is now we're getting into that territory of like just really small, short, snappy sections. So it feels very intense. And Marsh is like, why'd you come? Everything was going so well as he beats the crap out of Sazed. His oh, Sazed arm snaps. Yeah, it's some pretty graphic stuff happening to Sazed here. It's oh, not yeah. fun. And then Marsh takes the pouch that Sazed drops, which he thinks is filled with coins, and shoots them at uh, Sazed, still saying he's sorry. But it turns out they're not coins. They are the ten rings, or eight, because he took two out earlier. But they are eight of the rings that he stored up some of all of the various things in. 
weight, speed, strength, and health, which he taps to fix himself. And now Saze can tap some strength and starts the fight gets a little more even. <laughs> we cut back to Ellen, who's like, I am in way over my head here. I have no idea what's going on here. Which, yeah, that's fair. Vin, on the other hand, is like, I got this. She's confident, walking through this creepy black smoke room. And when they get to the other side, there's another chamber that's much smaller. And inside of it, there is a pool of light. A glowing white pool. That Vin says, that is the Well of Ascension. And he's like, oh, okay, well, that's what we came here for. He says, forcing a smile. Good job, well done. Let's go back for tea. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, we found it. Good. Let's just leave. That's not going to work. No, no. No. But at the last second, she's worried. She's like, what if I do the wrong thing with the power? What if I turn into, like, the Lord Ruler? And Ellen, being Ellen, is like, hey, I believe in you. You are way better than the Lord Ruler. I trust you. And then they get distracted by broken pottery. Yeah, I really wish he hadn't have said that to her. <laughs> and among the broken pieces of pottery, there's one piece that is not broken and that has a single bead of some weird metal in the center, which is the wrong color to be adium. And they're like, huh, what is it then? I don't know. Guess we'll move on. Yep, a very ridiculously foolish thing. <laughs> it's like, oh, look, we found this bead of new metal. Let's just ignore it. <laughs> She has the well beating in her head at the moment, apparently, so it's probably hard to uh, not pay attention to that. Cut back to Martian Sazed, fighting, fighting. And actually, uh, Brandon has some interesting things to say. Oh, he does mention in the annotations, in case it was not obvious, that yes, Marsh has is the Inquisitor people have been seeing. Uh, he has actually been in the city watching them this whole time. I wonder when he got back. Creepy stalker. I mean, says, he could have gotten back before Sazed. It's possible. He even says, you may recall this earlier when Vin kind of wandered into Credit Shaw, she found footprints there. That was Marsh. Yeah, we called that. I think Joe called that. Yeah. And that's actually one of the reasons. And I mentioned at the time that that was a section that he added later in the process. And he was kind of upset because that section kind of covered some of the same stuff that the section right after it covered. But that's one of the reasons he added that section was to plant these clues to keep Marsh kind of present in the story. This is a really cool fight scene. Yeah. I like the the kind of Alamancy versus Ferrochemy thing, and he, that's actually why I went to the annotations, because he notes here that he likes this battle because of the cool interactions you see between Alamancy and Ferrochemy. And he's like, I realized almost immediately when designing Ferrochemy that I could do some very fun things with mixing it with Alamancy. With how much Mistborn depend on their steel pushes and iron pulls, a person who can change his weight has enormous advantage. Everyone always says that in Alamancy, that Alamancy is the better combat skill because it it uses the resources, the metal, to power it, whereas Ferrochemy has a different power source that's more limited in a lot of ways because you have to save up that energy. But Brandon feels that if you put the two in battle together with like power enough to spare for the Ferrochemist, the Ferrochemist will almost always win. It's kind of like anything, like like Alamancy is the quick and easy. Uh, oh yeah, we can just like burn through resources to do this. But Ferrochemy requires work and practice, and then once you master the work and practice, you're actually a lot better. Yep. I mean, you're better with Alamancy when you've practiced, also. But yeah, true. But Ferrochemy think, requires you to put the time and effort in. Yeah, it requires a lot more time and effort. But even just like health by itself, if you have more than enough health to spare for the fight, then you're going to be able to heal from anything your opponent can do. That right there is a giant advantage. Yeah. The closest that an Alamancer has is like uh, pewter to keep themselves going. Yeah. 
that we we did miss it earlier. It's like my favorite. I think it might be one of my favorite lines in this book. It's like Marsh calling says, "You are not a warrior," and says in classic says fashion, he goes, "Neither I think are you." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh shit, son." Uh, says trash talk. But then of course yep. here, Marsh is like, "You're wrong. I was not a warrior." But while you've spent the last two years like studying stuff, I have spent them killing. So that's creepy. Yeah. I mean, when when Marsh showed back up in this book, we're all just like, he is not the same man he was. Like, something's really wrong with him. Yeah, and it kind of all makes sense now why he shows up randomly out in the middle of nowhere. And it's like, hey, Sazed, you have to come with me to this place. And then he leaves Sazed alone. It's like, no, you can't come upstairs with me. You just look around down here. And then once Sazed finds the word wall, Marsh shows up to be like, hey, we don't, we can't sit here all day for you to read the whole thing. We have to go now. And rushes him out, yeah. so the Sazed has to take a rubbing to take with him. And then he drops tons of hints about, hey, Sazed, you need to go back to Luthadel. So it's like, from the beginning, it was playing into this, you need to find this prophecy, and then you need to go back to Luthadel to tell Vin about the prophecy, so she can go and release this thing. Poor Marsh. He's not, uh, he does not seem happy about what he's having to do here. He's just become a spiky puppet. Why, Marsh? I don't know! <laughs> I think he's made it clear, Sazed, that he does not know. And he wishes he did. And says tries to grab his linchpin spike, the one that Marsh used in, to kill the other Inquisitors, but his speed runs out, and he is about to lose. Like, Marsh is about to take him out as his, all his rings are running out when a dueling cane smashes against the back of Marsh's head and sh- shatters. So see, it's a good thing that Ham came. So we cut back to Vin and Elend now that the, the fight is resolved. Or as far as, I mean, I guess we don't know at that point who just saved Sazed. It might be another threat of some kind, but seems unlikely. Turns out it was actually Meow Meow. Come down. <laughs> From Seth's Manor. Meow Meow. Oh, I and, about Meow Meow. Yeah, Meow Meow and Alrianne <laughs> came to save the day. No one would still like Alrianne, even if that was her saving Sazed. No, she'd come in and be all like, okay, now you owe me five dresses. Like, she's just... <laughs> terrible we we cut back to vin and ellen in the the well of ascension chamber whatever you want to call it and the mist spirit shows up and vin's like no pulls out daggers and vin's ellen's like no 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 wait it it visited me while you were gone i think it wanted me to know something i don't think it wants to hurt me and he's just like hey what do you want and then the thing stabs him not just stabs him but like guts him yeah, like that very quickly turned around. It's like, I don't think it wants to hurt me. It immediately hurts him. Oh, God, it wanted to hurt me. <laughs> My blood. I need that. I need that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> My organs. Get back in. Daddy needs you. And Vin immediately knows that, like, this wound is fatal. There's nothing that she can do. And Vin is crying with Ellen in her arms, and it's so sad. I legitimately thought Ellen was going to die here. I mean, when she says that, like, this is a fatal wound or whatever, I'm, what else are you supposed to think, really? Yeah. Well, it's like, I don't know. There are plenty of times in a, a story where, like, a character has a wound that appears to be deadly, and you think, oh, they're going to make it out of this. Like, they're going to, like, they'll, they'll still find some way. Like, what was it, Last Action Hero? It's like, oh, no, it's actually just a flesh wound. <laughs> but, like, I thought this would actually be a convincing wrap-up to Ellen's argument. Like, he started as just, like, his argument, his arc throughout this book. Like, he started out, like, not really knowing how to be a king, got booted out, learned how to be a king, came back and finally won with full honours, and then the cruel twist is, right as when he figures out how to be a king and gets the title back, that's when he dies. I thought, 
wow, that's some Ned Stark shit right there. So I, yeah, legit thought he was about to die. That would be very Ned Stark. He's like, he, if he got to be emperor for five minutes and then gets killed. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely thought that Ellen was not going to make it. Even, I mean, and she, here, she's like, wait a second. The power of creation is right here. I can save him. And goes and, like, shoves herself into the liquid. I still didn't think that Ellen was going to make and it. And I thought, yeah, no, I didn't either. I thought that, like, the, I thought that was going to be the culmination of her arc. It's like, you know, she's learned, she she had the doubts about her and Ellen throughout the book, and she overcame those and knew she yeah. was committed. And then the cruel twist of her character arc for the book would be, right when you like you've got to do the right thing for the people over your own selfish needs so she was gonna sacrifice him to do the right thing turns out there was a different cruel twist to her character arc dak you're thinking of the book as if it was good if the ending was actually good (laughs) that's that would be a good ending no it's great because that's what you expect is this cruel twist and then it turns out to be an even crueler twist where she has to go through the sacrifice put the needs of the many nothing over the needs of view. And then it turns out that that was the wrong thing to do after all. It's like you shove the knife in and then you twist it some. It takes like it. it I, I think I'm pretty sure his intention here is take this this thing that you've seen a million times where it's like you have to fill the prophecy and all the general BS that you expect. And then it's like, nope, that's what it, this thing was relying on you to be like genre savvy and understand how prophecies and all this stuff works. It totally used that your expectations against you yeah and then left us with no closure fantastic great great storytelling we'll, we'll get into this more later yeah uh okay yeah sorry so she feels the power the sudden flare her earlobe begins to hurt she has to pull off all her metal like her earring and her alimantic vials and everything apparently this power does not react well to metal and then she starts to burn and she realizes that she has all this power she can remake the entire world push back the mists, feed millions with a wave of her hand, save Ellen. And a voice is like, no, you're not supposed to do that. You know what you have to do. And she's like, I have this to save straight away was a, was a red flag. And I'm just like, okay, the voice disembodied voice starts talking to you. Now, where have we heard that before in this book? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a random weird disembodied voice telling her what to do. Hmm. Kind of suspicious. That guy inside the garbage cans back. <laughs> This is where he went after Zane died. He came down to the cave. And she's like, I know, I have to give up the power to defeat the deepness and save the world. Ugh. And I like I like that it's the people who trusted in Kelsier that the mists were not would not hurt them. They're the ones who go out in the mists. And so they are the ones who are now getting killed by the mists. There's some irony for you. Kelsier spent his whole thing like, no, the mists will protect you. And now he's gone and he was very wrong. And the voice tells her that you have to love Ellen enough to do what he wants, to respect his wishes. You know that he would want you to do what's best for the people or whatever. And Vin's like, I know. And so she gives up the power and it flies away and she hears someone, a voice in her head scream, I am free. And we have the final epigraph, which is the conclusion to that sentence earlier. Lenny must not be allowed to reach the well of his engine for he must not be allowed to release the thing that is imprisoned there. There's your cruel twist of fate, even crueler than you thought. And now Ellen's dying for no reason. But fortunately, the Miss Spirit is here. And it's like, hey, come over here. And it's like, shut up. Ellen's going to die. You should be pleased. You got what you wanted. And then she realizes that, no, the Miss Spirit stabbed him so that you would not release the power, so that you would keep it and heal him. And it didn't work out like that. 
the Miss Spirit wanted Ellen and Vin to go north towards the uh, Terrace Mountains to keep them away from the Well of Ascension so that she would not do this thing. They really need to get this thing some cue cards or something. Right? Like, you need to be able to talk, dude. That'd be way more helpful. All you can do is rip paper. Maybe rip it into the shape of some words for us or something. Because Says said earlier, it's like, oh, can you write down what you want? And, like, that makes sense. It can manipulate tangible objects. There's got to be able to, mm-hmm. like, some way you can find to communicate with them. Right. But it starts pointing to the metal that at the in the disc that they found with the piece of metal in it. And Vin picks it up, and she's like, huh, okay. And then she starts to eat it, and the spirit's like, no, no, no. Give it to him. And she's like, oh, what do I got to lose at this point? All right. So she tells Ellen to swallow it and washes it down with one of her metal vials that has all the basic metals in it. Yeah, good thing she did that. Yep. Very good thing, because he all of a sudden starts to look better, and she discovers that he is burning pewter. Dun, that, dun, dun. End of the chapter. End of our final chapter. So, yeah, I didn't see that coming the first time. That was a heck of I a thing. I didn't see... I didn't see it coming that there would be a way to create an Alamancer like that, but I thought, like, maybe this was him going to snap. As soon as he was gutted, oh. I was like, nah, he, they're not killing Elland yet. There's no way. So I thought maybe he was starting to do it on his own. So I had to reread that bit a couple of times because maybe I thought that maybe that was just some pewter and that was showing that he did snap. Hmm. But then... Then she comes in and is like, oh, you're obviously a Mistborn. What? (laughs) I mean, that's later. We haven't got to that yet. (laughs) Jamie had more faith than me and Dak. She's like, nah, they won't kill Ellen. Nah, I would have been pretty disappointed if Ellen died here and sazed. Ellen and sazed both die. That would be sad. I don't know. What about you, Joe? Did you expect Ellen to die here? No. Because that would have been good storytelling. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And we move into the epilogue, which is two weeks later. Sazed apparently left Luthadel quietly in the middle of the night and took a two-week trip back to the conventicle of Saran. I feel like he got there pretty quick. Yeah, I think so, too. I feel like that's how long it took him to get to Luthadel, and he was using speed to get to Luthadel. Maybe he, Maybe had a horse he this time or took something. a horse, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, possibly. I'm sure that Ellen would let him borrow one. It's all good. Goes back down to the word wall and finds Quan's words, and he's like, compares it to his rubbing, they don't match. It's all been a trick. And he's, he reads the first part again. I write these words in steel for anything not set in metal cannot be trusted. And he's like, dang it, we should have paid attention to that. That was the part that told us everything after that was a lie. So obvious. And, and then we get to read the entire real thing, which most of it is pretty close to what we've read before. It, you know, he, he writes things in steel. He's prone to ramble. All the stuff about how Lindy was great, I think it kind of skips over because all that stuff is the same. Thank God. <laughs> You're like, I don't need to read about how much he loves Alendi for the millionth time. No. It's like, how many epigraphs did that take? Oh. Yeah. But then we get to the part where he's like, you know about my fabled memory, which before we're like, oh, yeah, just humble brag, whatever. Like, that's relevant. No, it turns out that's really relevant to uh, his whole point here. It's like he has begun to spot things that have changed and nobody else yeah, believes him. Did. I did make some remark a few episodes ago about how like I was talking about. Okay, so he's uh, yeah, like there is a point to him bringing that up. Like he has yep. noticed that yep. things are changing. I just didn't, I just didn't put together the true implication of that. I thought yep. I honestly the thought he's it was talking... like the terrorist people like changing the prophecies themselves to to fit 
uh, Elendi because they wanted to cling on to some hope. Mm. Yeah. Well, no, he's like, I have an eidetic memory, basically, and I remember when I first read the prophecy what it said, and it doesn't say that now. Yeah. Some force wants us to believe the Hero of Ages has come, and that he must travel to the Well of Ascension. Something is changing the prophecies to make them refer to Elendi, and whatever that power is, it can change the words within a ferrochemist's metal minds. It's like, the others call me mad. See, this whole paragraph is the same as what we read before, right down to like the fact that the two are not the same, what he memorized and what the world bringers are saying. And Dak's right. We did catch on to that before that he was saying some stuff had been changed. We kind of got that eventually, but we did not touch on or figure out the far reaching implications of those changes. Just, yeah, it says here the alterations are uh, very slight, like a word here, a slight twist there. So I think that's why he has, yeah, after, Rashek pounded down the mountains and um, put the well in under a city. Why the force couldn't just like change the prophecies that much because Rashek, yeah, Rashek would have noticed because like in order to make it unobtrusive, he had to make it a very tiny little ch- ch- alteration. Otherwise it would have been obvious what he was up, what the thing was up to. Yeah. And honestly, I think the, uh, the, the whole Holy first witness thing was taking it a step too far. Like that was say started to notice. Something yeah. That was wrong. a red flag. Yeah. So it's clever and it's subtle, but maybe not as subtle as he thinks he is or it. Yeah. But Quan says he spent the last two years in exile trying to figure out what's going on. And he's come to one conclusion. Something has taken control of our religion. Something nefarious cannot be trusted. It's manipulating Elendi. It's manipulating everybody. And even apparently the text did not originally say that the hero needed to give up the power. It, they, they were vague about what needed to happen at the Well of Ascension. But now, all of a sudden, it's super important. The hero must give up the power. And so he gets to the part that confused us when we first read it in the epigraphs, because he's like, I have no doubt that if Elendi reaches the well, he'll take the power and then give it up for the greater good. But what we did not get was give it away to the same force that has changed the text, give it up to this force of destruction that has brought him to war and tempted him to kill. The thing wants the power at the well, and it has raped our religion's holiest tenets in order to get it. And that's why he sends his nephew to kill Elendi because it's Elendi won't listen now. And this is the last way to that he can think to potentially save the world from whatever this thing is. And after he reads it, it says that was the final blow that killed what was left of his faith. Says knew that he would never believe again, which says also had a very cruel twist at the end of his character arc. Sad says just sad. We like sazed. And then we cut to Vin and Elend. Elend is awake. I guess he was he was down for two weeks healing up. And uh, he's like, I'm an Alamancer, a Mistborn, apparently. And she's like, yeah, I think we now know where they came from. The first Alamancers, which, yeah, that makes sense. There was a bunch of broken discs down there that pr- presumably had that same piece of metal in them. And we all wondered how Russia created the Alamancers as he claimed to have done. Yep. Also, everything it looks like Russia created the Inquisitors, the Colossus. Not so sure about the um, Kandra, but they all seem to have something metal at the moment. So it's like he's trying to replicate that. Do the Coloss have something I, metal? I think they had something. We, we sort of skipped over it a little bit, and I forgot to go back to it. There's a, a line, I think, where Say says he looks down at, like, all these pins on the floor. I thought uh, it said they came from I think I think you're right, like from the dead Coloss or something, yep. Yeah. Yeah, no. so I don't know whether that's something that the Lord Ruler put there or or what, but, you know, 
if he wasn't he wasn't creating Mistborn and Alamancy, then it makes sense that they wouldn't necessarily have uh, a spike or a pin or something in them. But maybe as he's trying to create these new things and new monsters, he's finding other ways for the metal to be involved. Mm. Maybe it's the same metal that they're using here or something that creates it. I don't know. Yeah, we still don't know what the process is for making an Inquisitor. We don't know what's, and we don't know what the spikes, like what the spikes contain. I really Mm. wish, because Says, or sorry, not Says, Marsh had pulled all the spikes out of the Inquisitors in the first book. I wish they had had some way to analyze them, the spikes, Mm. because it seems like that would have been kind of helpful. But of course, and then of course, Says was tight lit, or uh, Marsh was tight lipped about how he became an Inquisitor. So I was like, what? Like it's. and again, it's like this is the kind of stuff I get frustrated. It's like uh, the author's specifically being vague because he doesn't want you to know how this certain thing works yet, but he's throwing it in your face. That's that's kind of my big beef with the end of the first book, and I'm even I, I feel even more so at the end of this book. It's just like I didn't get closure in the last book, and I didn't, and I got even less closure in this one. So I just you know it's frustrating. Hmm. Okay. That's fair. Uh, just a side note from the annotations while we're kind of talking about it. Originally, this whole the whole Vin and Ellen scene in the um the at the Well of Ascension was set in the Northern Mountains. Uh, they actually did go up there, the three of them, and uh, find the Well of Ascension up there at the same time as battles and stuff were going on in Luthadel. But he felt that that would that did not work nearly as well as the way that he eventually went with it. I mean, it makes sense. It's like that's this, you know, he would make the place where the well was the seat of his power. I'm still not unconvinced that the well couldn't have been moved. I know it's just like a pool of light, but it, I, I feel like there's still a possibility that they might have been able to move it in some way. Well, and I mean, Vin assumes that like the well's in the same place. He just squished the mountains or whatever and then moved terrace land up north. But maybe he did just move like the well itself and hide it in a cave under the ground. We don't really know. Okay, so touching more on these annotations, he says, No, I didn't kill Ellen. I sure wanted you to think I would, but I didn't plan to. I always intended them to discover where the first Mistborn had come from when they reached the Well of Ascension. And the beat of metal is very important to the cosmology of Skadriel, and indeed the overarching story of my books as a whole. I intended Ellen to become a Mistborn from the very early stages of this book's development, so I figured I ought to do something that would make him need to be a Mistborn. Uh, I know that it bothered some people that I made Ellen a Mistborn, I felt that I explored his character as well as I could in this book, and I needed something to upset the balance that he'd arrived at here for him to continue developing in the next book. Well, I, I really hope it doesn't, but I feel like it could also throw another wrench into Vin's newfound comfort. Like, you know, she knows where things stand in their relationship because she's like, I, I hope, I hope to God it doesn't happen, but it could lead mm. to a, he's a misborn now. He doesn't need me as his misborn anymore. It's like, I, like I said, I hope that doesn't happen, but I could see it happening. Sure. Yeah. Ellen and Vin are talking on the wall, and she's upset. She's like, I did something terrible. I set this thing free. And Vin's like, hey, or Ellen's like, hey, you did the best that you could. There was no way for you to know the truth here. And uh, she's like, maybe, you know, I'm worse than the Lord Ruler. Because he, maybe he realized that he was being tricked and knew that he had to take the power. And Ellen's like, well, yeah, he wasn't a good guy, though, because he wouldn't have done the things he did if he was a good guy. Yeah, it's like he can bang on about how he was saving the world 
and protecting it. And in, in a way he was, but he was still stepping on innocent people by the thousands, by the millions to do it. So that doesn't make you a good guy. So yeah, I saved the world. For what? When when he got mad about something, he would have like hundreds of Ska executed publicly who hadn't actually done anything, just random innocent Ska that were chosen. So yeah, that's not a good guy. Yeah. It's honestly, the revelations in this book made me think of him more as a Sinestro kind of character. It's like mm. he genuinely believes he was doing the right thing, but he was oppressing people to do it. Yeah, and became and became a tyrant in the process. I'm like, all right, that that's an interesting little wrinkle, and I, ho- I hope we get to explore that a bit more. But I don't know. Yeah. But we get to the final bit, and she's like, "What are we gonna do, Ellen? With all this stuff happening?" And he's like, "We're gonna do what Kelsey taught us, Vin. We're going to survive." And that is the end. So I don't know thoughts overall about the book. Joe clearly has some very strong feelings about this book. So like I said before, I feel like there's just mechanically when writing a piece of of fiction and of course you know listeners uh fellow podcasters this is this is my opinion obviously i'm not saying i know better than brandon sanderson i'm not saying that in my opinion good storytelling has a story that can stand alone by itself as a book and provides a certain amount of closure and if it's an if it's an adventure, even if it ends on a down note, which this one does, because my favorite Star Wars movie is Empire, so I'm definitely it's definitely not that it's sad or that I'm angry that we've been lied to. That stuff I don't have a problem with. It's I hate stories that are contingent upon reading another story, and it's two in a row for me now because. Yes, we could say that the final Empire was a complete story, but there were a lot of unanswered questions at the end of that book that I'm like, okay, well the epilogue basically set up for the next book. It doesn't have any closure involved. And this one had even less in my opinion. And so I just don't think it's good storytelling. I think it's bad storytelling. There's a lot of nuggets that I have. I, you know, when I finished this, I was so annoyed. I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm being too hard on this. Let me go back and read some stuff. So I looked through the book again and I feel like I caught a few things that maybe will be good for setting up the third book. But I have to tell you, I'm glad that this is only a trilogy for this era because I, I I mean, I will read the third book just so that I can get the taste of this book out of my mouth because I'm just so aggravated with it. So some of the things that I picked up on, we talk, there's a bead of metal that gives alimantic powers. As, 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 I mean, the way that I read it, that's what it meant. She gave him the bead, then she gave him some metals, and then all of a sudden he could burn pewter. Yeah. So, so that bead gave him alimantic powers. So my guess then is Roshek had those beads of metal. That's probably why they were still down there. He was keeping the Well of Ascension close to him for a reason. Obviously, the I mean, the way the story is written, it sounds like this creature is bad. Whatever was in the Well of Ascension is not good. So that means Roshek was actually trying to save the world from whatever this creature is. So did Roshek? So then my question is, did Roshek mess up the world when the at the Well of Ascension, or did did this creature do that? Did he? Because mm. in the, all, all the murals, they talk about yes, the Lord Ruler defeated the Deepness is what they were is what people called in the history. But did he actually? Did the monster actually get loose or whatever this creature was, and he helped put it back in the bottle per se? And did? Is that creature then the one that's responsible for all the terrible things that are that exist within the world? 
either way, since metal is obviously not good to be in the well, I think I, I'm, I'm drawing the conclusion that Allomancy and metal itself is something that whatever this creature doesn't like. So let me go back further into the second book. And, and I, I kept this in mind the whole time since we read it because I knew there's no way that these are capital lettered words that the conjurer just spits out of his mouth and they're not important. So preservation, I think, is the one word and ruin is the other. You are of, you know, we are of preservation, you are of ruin. So just me reading those words, it could be that neither one of them is necessarily a good thing. But me just reading those words, ruin sounds bad. So Yeah, no, that sounds bad. I'm not I won't disagree with you there. So my guess is that ruin was in the well of ascension, whatever that is. And you know, ruin could have ruined the world, not to be punny, and created the ash mounts and done all this other crazy crap. I don't, you know. So maybe that's what was released out of the well. Either way, it's not good. So Allomancy then, I feel like if it doesn't like, if Ruin doesn't like metal, Allomancy has to be from the other end of the spectrum, would be my guess. So it must be, and so if we're talking about preservation and Ruin being at odds, then maybe Allomancy comes from preservation. I don't know. But this is, and these are just things I'm picking up from reading this, this second book. I didn't go back to the first book at all. Uh, when I was looking at all this stuff, but my guess is, my theory is that this is good. Obviously, I'm I'm hoping, I'm guessing that in this next book we're going to learn a lot more about ruin or whatever this monster was and preservation too, maybe. And if you've got a, a map with two places circled on it, maybe Luthadel is where ruin is, and maybe the other town I can't remember the name is where preservation is. Mm, okay. I don't know. But there's some kind of balancing force, I'm guessing, that was supposed to be between these two things, and it didn't work out correctly. So I'm I'm just – those are just the things I'm trying to piece together myself. But see, that's what's kind of making me annoyed, right? I shouldn't shouldn't have to piece all this together. If I had gotten, like, a closure story, I would have been satisfied, and I wouldn't have to be, like, thinking all of these things through, these tiny little pieces – just some kind of explanation, some kind, something. But I guess I have to remember that Brandon Sanderson's MO seems to be like, I'm going to give you all these pieces. And then at the end, I'm going to explain, or I'm going to, a lot of stuff's going to happen all at the end. So that may be the same for this trilogy. Maybe the end of the third book is going to answer like all of the questions, but it's going to be in the last like 10 chapters. If that's the case, I guess, whatever, I just, it's that's frustrating to me as a reader because I like to when I read fantasy or things like that I I like to at least feel like I know what's going on at mm. some point before we get to the end even if there's like a twist in the last couple of chapters like that's fine but also like put a bow on your story at the end of the book cuz I feel like there's no bow on this so I mean like I said I I have to read the third book now because they pirates of the caribbean to me here I have to <laughs> I have to see I, I, they didn't defeat Davy Jones, so what, what the hell's going on? You know, I have to know what's going on. Oh man, I hope, I hope we don't have a parts three on our hands. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know, maybe. But I think gonna, that sums it up perfectly, though. They're gonna yeah, have to no, go to the other. Say, pirates two is a good example, because, because it's like the, the main story that we've had this book was really the, the siege of Luthadel, which is resolved like completely, but then we have 
this thing that's been sitting in the background the whole time that we've been annoyed the whole time. Like, why isn't this more present? And now we come to that and that part is not resolved. And so that's very, I think that Pirates 2 is a perfect example of that because a lot of the story of Pirates 2 and the main action gets resolved, but just opens up this whole new door of, wait, all this other stuff that was kind of present in that movie is now really important. Yeah. So Pirates 3 slash Hero of Ages. Here's what's going to happen. All right. Kelsier's coming (laughs) back. They're going to go to the other world and get him somehow. That's, you know, (laughs) Kelsier's going to be there. Because um, he's one of the 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 Mistborn lords with the, one of the pieces of eight. Sure. Oh god. <laughs> yep. There's gonna be other Mistborn well, lords. The, pace, that come the, back. the pieces of eight are like the, the like one of one is each of the metals. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it makes sense. So, you know, he's coming back. We're gonna have the whole gang back together. Like somehow, Clubs is gonna come back from the dead too, because he's got the other piece of eight or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I. Uh, I finished the story pretty and pirates recently. Pirates had a tentacle monster. Yeah, that's true. There's going to be a, a kraken. I finished the story <laughs> pretty recently, and I'm and so it's kind of raw for me. So if I'm coming on too strong, people listening, i you know, please understand I'm not trying to crap on something that you like. I'm not. It's just um, it's it's just frustrating for me right now. But maybe I'll get to the third end of the third book. Like, don't don't take this as I'm not open to reading the third book or enjoying it at all. That's definitely not what I'm saying. I may get to the end of the third book and take back everything I said about this book. I don't know, but this is just how I'm feeling right now. No. And I can't imagine re- waiting for this book to come out, reading it, and then having to wait for the next one. I would have been pissed off. Mm. This is, I think I, I said before, this is my least favorite book of the trilogy, and part of the reason is what you're saying, but uh, I have other reasons. But anyway, I, I will tell <clears throat> you that I feel like you're going to get the vast majority of the answers you want in the next book, but I can also tell you that you will not get 100% of every single tiny question answered. Oh, well, lost all over again. Well, no, and that's that's not fair, because I'm most... Just, I'm joking. Most books and TV shows aren't going to answer every single thing. It's just like, you go into Lord of the Rings, and you get to the end, and it's like, well, I never knew what the fuck Tom Bombadil was about, but that's not really that important. Like, there's <laughs> allowed to be mysteries in the world that aren't explained in the book. You know what show did a good job of explaining everything? The Good Place. That's a good show. You guys should watch it oh, if you haven't right seen show. it. Uh, and I feel like they wrapped everything up very nicely. Mike Schur, uh, writer from The Office, great. I think he's, a, he's an awesome uh, TV writer. See, there was uh, what, what I'm thinking about Babylon 5, and I don't know if you ever watched Babylon 5, but it had a story that they were like a, this five year story arc planned. And it was this big story that, you know, they're building stuff in season one that doesn't pay off till four or five, that kind of stuff where it's all planned really well. And the big main arc of the story is this beautiful, like operatic thing that gets the end. But then after the end of the story, the characters go on. They're still you know, story to be told. Things happen after the end of the story. And some things, people are annoyed that it didn't get handled. Like, there's a lot of tension between telepaths and normals in the Babylon 5 universe. And there's implications all the way through that, like, at some point in the future, there's going to be a war between humans, regular humans and telepaths because of the kind of friction that keeps showing up and the kind of, like, power telepaths have and the regular humans don't trust them and so on and so forth. And that's not resolved within the show itself because that wasn't part of the main big story. It was something else that's also happening in this universe. And it does end up getting books or something later written about it. But a lot of people are like, why 
do you not address this? And he's like, well, because I want my universe to feel like it's a real place where real things happen and not everything can get wrapped up in this one section of the story you're watching because I want them to feel like they have lives outside of this one section of the story you're watching. And that's sure. always resonated and I get that. with me. Yeah. I mean, I get that, but but I felt like I had no closure because the Siege of Luthadel, I mean, and, and maybe this is my problem. I didn't care about the Siege of Luthadel. Mm, yeah. I wanted them to go to the well the whole time. Yeah. And so maybe that's part of my problem. Maybe that's why I feel like I didn't get any closure in this story because I, I feel like there was none. Oh, one other thing I forgot to mention was uh, whatever this power is, ruin, whatever it's called. I think it, it took over Martian. That's why he was gone all of a sudden. Oh, so like maybe it like fully possessed him and just like, hey, I need this body now that I've got freedom. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Oh, wow. That would explain why he just randomly disappeared after being knocked the fuck out. Yeah. Uh, I forgot I to mention that, that, but I was just thinking cool. about it. Hmm. Interesting. But uh, but anyway, yeah. I mean, I get that, but yes, I feel like I didn't get the closure that I wanted. And of course, yeah, I'm one. Sure. I'm one reader. I'm one reader. You know, you, you can't please everybody. But you know, I'm the I'm the guy in the podcast telling you how I feel. So. <laughs> well, and I should probably also note for everyone that we've established that this series, this world, is part of like this shared universe of the Cosmere, and there are some things, and in some books, they're more present than others. But there are some things that the people in the book never actually really understand, even if they think maybe they do, because they're part of this bigger story that's being told. And his goal is that you never have to read one of his books to understand what's happening in another one. But that does sometimes necessitate you being like, OK, well, there's this question that's going to hang there that I'm never going to get fully answered because it's part of this bigger story that I'm not aware of or paying attention to if you only read one of the books. Gotcha. So that's something that just going forward, I'm like, you guys might want to be prepared for that because like I said, some books it's more present than others. And so in some books you don't, there's, you would really have to know what you were even looking for to find the questions that you're not going to get answers to, but it's a thing that uh, is going to happen here and there. Uh, okay. Jack or Jamie, what are your overall thoughts on this, uh, this one? I, I don't have as much to say, I think as, as Joe did. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not too fussed that the like the whole story hasn't wrapped by the end of the book. I don't mind because we're going to keep reading it. I think I agree. If you had to wait for the next book, I would be like, ah, I need answers. I I hope we get the answers that we're looking for. I think with uh, with Brandon's books, like we spend a lot of time dealing with one thing out of the story, like with Final Empire in this one. We're focused on that, and there's so many other little mysteries that we're like, oh, that's really juicy, and I really want to know more about that. And it all comes together in the last couple of chapters. Like, I wish we had a few more chapters to really soak it in because you you are trying to absorb mm. a lot of a lot of information very quickly while wrapping up a story about a lot of things we've been interested in for a very long time. It yeah. feels like it's just... It's been quite a long book to get to a point where you've got a few chapters to get it all out. And I don't know if that's just a product of sort of how we've been reading it as well. If you'd feel the same, if you could just sit down over, you know, a week or two and read the whole book, mm-hmm. would we feel a bit different? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't, I have really enjoyed the books. I really enjoy the chapters, but I feel there's a little something missing at the end. Like I don't feel completely satisfied at the end. But having said that, I'm still really excited to jump into the next book because I know that we are going to get more information. Like they can't just leave all the stuff about Marsh hanging. They've just introduced this 
metal about creating allomancers and you know Ellen is now misborn and like there's a lot that's going to happen with all of this information if this was a standalone book mm. like I don't I actually don't think for, well from my experience of the two Brandon Sanderson books I've read I don't think his books standalone like you couldn't have read this without reading misborn sorry no, without reading yeah. final, empire. final empire right yeah you might be able to read certain trilogies or, or sets of books but I don't, yeah, these, these wouldn't stand alone. And if you were to pick up the next book, there's so much information from book one and two that I think you would just have to know before book three. You wouldn't be able to figure it mm. out. But I am I am excited to keep reading and keep learning. And I hope that most of the stuff that we've been interested in throughout this book, I feel like we got more answers at the end of Final Empire, but I, I hope we get the answers that we're looking for and that things sort of wrap up. But, I mean, on the whole, again, a good story. There's some good mysteries in there, you know, and even some good mysteries that we did actually resolve. I think there was too much politics in this book. (laughs) I just, I think the amount of time we spent on that for how everything ended up, you know, with the battle for Luthadel and all that sort of stuff, I I don't necessarily think that that was worth it. I would have liked to have spent a little bit more time on the other mysteries rather than having them rushed at the end. But. Yeah, like some some people from the whole political angle never even show back up. Like the one guy, Philan, who was like one of the merchants, and he seemed like he was going to be a real big character there for a minute, yeah. and then he just kind of disappears. Oh my, yeah, that really bothered me. I was just like, what happened to that guy? He's like, does he ever get his comeuppance, or is he just, no, he's done now. So I, I agree that the politics feels like it was too much and not relevant enough. That's one of the reasons that this is my least favorite of the three. But funny, just touching on a couple of the things that you said, I don't think either of these are much of a spoiler. The next actual book that we'll be reading after hero of ages, and there's some short story type stuff uh, in between there, but the next full book that we're reading after hero of ages is actually a standalone book. There's uh, he's talked okay. about possibly doing uh, like sequels to it that would take place like years later or something, but it, it is just a book by itself. Although I say that, and then there's a short story that takes place like on the same planet that we're also reading after that book. But uh, Elantris is the next book we read, and it was his very first book, and it's completely standalone. So they do exist just when he's within one of his series. I I think it's part of, like, epic fantasy is that you you need more than one book to tell the big story. It's the same with, like, Lord of the Rings or whatever is, like, you couldn't read the second book and feel that you'd gotten a satisfying story. Yeah, well, that's why I like The Hobbit much more than the three Lord of the Rings books, honestly. I love The Hobbit a lot more than the yeah, three The Lord Hobbit, books, I think, I... is better written and much more interesting. It's 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 like, I almost want to say pithier. It's, it's shorter and t- more to the point, which yeah. I appreciate after reading the trilogy and being like, oh, geez, when are you going to get to the freaking point? Sorry, J.R.R. Tolkien. R.I.P. Respect. Oh, and the other thing that I was going to say is I don't think you have to worry about us losing track of uh, Marsh and not resolving his thing because the prologue for Hero of Ages, the very next thing that you guys are going to read is a uh, Marsh viewpoint. Ooh. So okay. I don't feel like that's a spoiler uh. since you're about to read that the very next thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, also, when you, were talking about, when you were talking about Babylon 5, I've never seen it because Sheldon told me not to watch it. Sheldon's dumb. Don't listen to Sheldon. Babylon 5. <laughs> amazing long-form storytelling. It's like somebody tried to do Lost well before networks would allow you to do a show like Lost, where you had to watch one episode to understand another episode. Networks didn't want to do that, but he managed to kind of do it anyway, like under their nose. It's amazing storytelling. Anyway, Dak, do you have uh, – what do you think? 
Um, so I feel like I'm usually pretty forgiving um, of uh, books and movies and whatnot for their flaws. There are plenty of movies that I like, which other people are just like, yeah, it wasn't a very good movie. I'm like, yeah, it wasn't, but I still enjoyed it. So, uh, so as far as this one goes, uh, the impression I got at the end of this book was because I keep bringing it up, a song of ice and fire. This book, this is the full, like reminiscent of the fourth book, a feast for crows. People who read that book series, especially the first time they go through it, they hate a feast for crows because hmm. it introduces a whole bunch of, um, other side characters as suddenly much more important. Than they were previously. And a lot of the fan favorite characters didn't show up at all. Like, there's no Daenerys, there's no Tyrion. Jon Snow shows up for, like, half a page, and then the story moves away from him because it's get, it gets divided up geographically. So the parts of the world that those characters are in is not focused on in that book. So when you get to the end of that book, you're just like, where are all these people, like, the ones I care about? And so a lot of, a lot of people really disliked it. And the first time I read it, I hated it too. Then after reading the next book in the series and getting those characters, and then the amount of times I've reread those books since I've really enjoyed a feast for crows a lot more because I'm not waiting for the shit that, um, to happen that I don't know isn't going to happen in this mm, book. Like yeah. I know it's coming later, but so I was like, yeah, on rereads, I always appreciated feast for crows a lot more. And I feel like that's what the well of Ascension is going to be. Cause I agree. I, I spent a lot of this book frustrated that the politics, the politics still going on. It's, I was going to bring up Philan if you didn't, because that, like his character showed up, seemed kind of important. We saw inside his head out of nowhere. And then after Penrod got elected, he just disappeared. And I'm just like, what, what the hell? Where's where's that guy gone? Like, what? yeah, that that bothered me a bit. And yeah, I was I really wanted to know more about like the more important story, which in my head the well was because it's the goddamn title. So now I think once I've read Hero of Ages. And then I go back and I'll go back and reread the trilogy, like start start to finish again. I think I'll appreciate all the smaller details of Well of Ascension a lot more. I'll be looking for the stuff that we missed, like all the foreshadowing for the the monster, whatever it is, and you know all the bits about Ten Soon as well. I'll be able to like yeah, I'll appreciate this book a lot more on a reread. I don't dislike it now, but it's definitely narratively, even though I, like I think the character arcs for the three main characters did come to a good head. There was just a lot of meandering to get there, I think. Yeah, and that's I think that's a really good point that you made, because that's something that I don't think we're giving enough credit to in this discussion, is that Ellen's character arc is amazing in this book. We went from hating Ellen, more or less, at the end of the first book, to, like, Ellen is awesome. And that's oh, yeah, before yeah. he becomes a Mistborn or anything. Like, that's a great arc that gets set up in this book. Vin's arc, I'm a little more wishy-washy about, because it's, like, teen angst drama, which is not my favorite thing, but Vin is still awesome. And then you got Sazed arc, yeah. which I wasn't even expecting coming into this. Like, Sazed gets, like, they pound his character at the end of this book, and it's really sad and, like, affecting. Like, I think they did an amazing job with him, too. It's really metal. <laughs> Boo. Boo. Oh, I just meant, like, man, minute, 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 minute. But, uh, yeah, I guess that is a pun. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you know what? For all the things I've said about this book, I will say what I said at the beginning of the book. The Martian say stuff is good. The, it's really good. I liked it. That, that's that's related to the story we wanted more of. Exactly. So anytime says is on page, anytime Marsh is on page, I'm like I'm there. Except for says going to the Coloss camp, that I didn't care for as much. But uh, 
But, but he didn't most, choose to go into no, the Colossus camp. He, he definitely, yeah. He definitely did not choose for that. But and, and you're right, the Ellen stuff was good. Because you're right, I, I I started out the book being like, I don't know about this Ellen guy. But then yeah, he becomes like he becomes a man in this book. More than that, a king. So that was good. But yeah, I think I'm just I'm just such a stickler for endings. They just got to be perfect for me, and it just didn't do it. And it just it just took its sweet ass time getting there. I feel like right. the, a, a, a lot of the politicking debates and whatnot, you probably could have pared some of them down a bit, mm-hmm. maybe. But like, what do I know? I'm not a published author, so you know right, you. Exactly. Brandon. Yeah, fair yeah. point. But, I mean, that's I totally agree with Jamie. It's like, if, if, if we just had a little less politicking and you just taking your time a little bit more with the ending, maybe I'd be a little more satisfied. Because it was like, I literally got to the end of the chapter and then... I'm reading on my Kindle app on my phone. So then I swiped the page and it said epilogue. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I was just like, that's the end. And, you know, but yeah, I feel like it was way too rushed. That's the Sander Lanch for you. Okay. So let's do, let's do some predicaments. I don't know, the, you know, about what, I, I think we already touched on some of that when we were doing review of the book as a whole. But if anyone has some specific predictions you want to make for the next book, let's give a chance for that. I don't really have any. Um, I'm just going to jump in there. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Okay. I am leaning on uh, the Vin and Tensoon alliance is going to come back. Um, Mm. We have not seen the last of that guy. Yeah. There's we have like more questions that we haven't really had answered. Is like more stuff about the Kandra. Like we got we got a lot more insight into like the Kandra people, their homeland, their philosophies. This book. There's a lot more to come from that. Not like. Definitely the ruin and preservation stuff that Joe brought up, but I think more than that as well, just the how their society works. I want to see one uh, not stealing a human form. I want to see a pure Kandra at some point. Mm. So, yeah, I think – I feel like Vin is going to find uh, Ten soon again. They're going to team up against the the monster. The monster – I don't know, Tentacles. Um, <laughs> Tentacles? <laughs> There's another um, thing that we left out when we were talking about it was we didn't even know Tenson's true identity for most of the book, except for Joe, who was expecting it. But he that was some great well, character hoping. work there. This yeah. is a character that we saw evolve through the book without even knowing the truth about him. And we yeah, love that guy. that was a cool touch. And I, th- I think, again, the whole Candor spy thing was a far more interesting story to us than the, than the politics going on, which is why we we're also invested in like the true identity side of things but yeah so i'm really i really hope he shows up again uh i remember in the the episode where vin and zane attacked sets manor there was that one guard on the wall that brandon named after his buddy and you mentioned in the annotations brandon brings up look for this guy in book three so oh, right yeah he was gonna um, be the secret villain we decided yeah yeah well cause, like because i was i was thinking about that it's like if it gets out that vin doomed the world by unleashing this monster because I think I made a joke about how this guy is going to be basically to Alamance's what Amon was in Legend of Korra to the Benders. Like he's going to yeah. lead the anti anti misborn movement. Uh, if it gets out that Vin unleashed this thing, he's going to have a lot more ammo. You're not wrong. So yeah, like and I know he's coming back, and yeah, I'm just like, all right, cool. Let's have this little side villain. He can be the the, the set of that book. Hmm. Also, did Brandon steal? Or sorry, did uh, Legend of Korra steal the giving powers from uh, from Brandon? 
giving powers? I mean, that was because from... now all of a sudden, because now all of a sudden, Ellen's a Mistborn. I think that was from like the end of Avatar: The Last Airbender, where you got like the the lion turtle teaches him how to energy bend or whatever, energy right? Bend. Energy burned. Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> now we apparently know that there's a metal that creates Mistborn somehow, although it seemed well, like that was the last piece of it. So. <laughs> Well, you have to wonder if that's the metal that is the push. Is there the metal that is the pull that takes away mm-hmm. elemental powers? Because mm-hmm. I mean, what that that could be a hell a hell of a you know down note to to throw into the story. All of a sudden, Vin gets brought down to a normal person with no elementic abilities, and Ellen's got to be the one, the fighter. Be a thing, all right. I don't have much more to predict. I I feel like I said quite a bit of stuff that I was thinking about after rereading through some of the stuff in the book. Yeah. Um, I think one thing I forgot to mention that I left out was in conjunction with the monster thing, creating the terrible conditions of the planet, then that would all, and, and obviously if this metal is what Rashek used to give people allomancy, that would lead me to believe Rashek never had any extraordinary power except for eating the metal and getting allomancy. Mm. He was only a ferrochemist mm. who also could use allomancy. He was never anything more than that. Well, then at least thinks that he had, you know, could change the world and make mountains and whatever. Right. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, if this monster thing is actually the thing that messed up the planet the way that it is now, that that's probably what did that. Hmm. When uh, Vin takes the power, what, what she if, thinks that she could do all like anything that she wants with it. But right, maybe. Well, if, They've also made a big deal in this book about how Russia created the Kolos, the Inquisitors, and the Kandra. So, yeah, I mean, like, if, I don't if know. If you didn't have the power of creation, what the hell did they come from? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. To be, Actually, to be discovered, note, I guess. Yeah. Sorry, on that note, just one quick little note there. But another thing which I think frustrated me a bit with this book is the bloody Inquisitors. We, we saw Marsh <laughs> yeah. a little bit. We spend the entire thing wondering where the hell they are, and then we get a, and that's it. Well, we get a, we get a. They went up to Terrace and took it over, but that's it. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh, I, I feel like that was very much just a, oh yeah, yeah, they're they're, they're over there, they're over yeah. there doing stuff. We'll we'll get to them. I'm like, damn it, yeah. <laughs> like oh, that yeah. is frustrating. Yep, it's very. If you want to know more about the Inquisitors, then this is not the one that's going to help you. Nope. No. Uh, yeah, it would also make sense. Speaking more about Lord Ruler, it would also make sense for Rashek to want to destroy the Keepers because they, if he knew, like his uncle, that the prophecy they were spouting was wrong and that he was trying to keep them from releasing this monster, then he would want to destroy all the Keepers because they can't, he can't, they cannot trust their metal mines. So the thing that these Keepers hold on to, their metal mines or whatever, it's like, well, you can't trust those. Mm. And they're just going to keep trying mm. to find the Chosen One to come release this thing. Mm. I, I'm going to have to keep these guys down. Yeah, that's a fair point. Although you can't trust paper either, and he didn't exactly get rid of that. But uh, Yeah, that's true. He, he did try to eliminate all knowledge of the prophecies, and apparently succeeded more or less because no one really knew anything about them until mm-hmm. we found Quan's rubbing, or his yeah. word wall. So, right. Which the Lord Ruler kept for some reason, and uh, put in the conventicle, it looks like. So, <laughs> Well, and you know, I always, I've, I've been wondering this, because they said the conventicle before this was like, that's where the Inquisitors hung out. There weren't, or was it where the Obligators hung out? No, it, it was like the secret, or I guess, like the Inquisitor Fortress or something, I think. Yeah, so, 
yeah. If these if these inquisitors are being controlled by Monster Dude and Rashek's not actually in cahoots with Monster Dude, then he he may not have known everything about that fortress. Mm. They because obviously they kept grasping for power, and it was only and it almost seems like Rashek was trying to like he had to keep them in check as well. Mm. But then he's Maybe. like, well, these are good tools to do. Yeah to keep my kingdom in order so i'll use them but i don't know Mm. we'll have to see what we discover in third book you're just never going to find out about the inquisitors they're just not going to tell you dude (laughs) that would make me angry i'm gonna throw i'm gonna throw my kindle in the garbage if that's the case (laughs) uh okay we have one email for this week and it's from retro rocket (laughs) and I think the, the our when we read what he said about Zane was the most recent one because like hold on hold on I think there might have been misunderstanding regarding Zane because he was the one who said that like he had kind of neutral to positive feelings about Zane because of you know uh, like the positive things that happened around him left a positive association or something you guys remember that anyway well I don't remember it but I hate it even more now let's not read his email. <laughs> He says, I don't like I don't like Zane as a person. He's a horrible human being. But when I hear of him because of the association with that scene where he does die. Oh, right. Because he it was so cool. The way that Vin kills him was his yeah. like positive association. I get a psychologically boost in the in a positive direction. So basically what I'm saying is that the person is horrible, but his placement in the story makes me like him as a character, but not as a person. Though when I said I feel kind of neutral about him, what I basically mean is I'm not going to defend him if you want to make fun of him. Spook, on the other hand. And then he says, kidding, though Spook is a bit higher for me. Though I don't know what it says about how I think about Spook that he's only a bit higher than Zane. <laughs> it means you feel the appropriate way about Lest Borns. Oh. Uh, I, I, I've hit writer's block with the Spook rap, so who knows if, oh. if it'll ever get off the ground. Bad. Dang. Uh, for next week, you guys both have both, as in you guys, everyone has a copy of the, the, the next book. For yep. next week, we are reading, and in uh, in Hero of Ages, the chapters are pretty actually uh, consistently sized. Well, and I say that they're actually super inconsistently sized, but they, the groupings work out well enough that we read. We were I think we were three chapters an episode for the most part. This book next book, we're going to be more like four chapters an episode most weeks with every once in a while wow. a week being three or up to five, even in some cases. Mm. So, uh, but so for next week, we are reading the prologue to Hero of Ages, and then chapters one, two, and three. So the first three chapters in the prologue, and we will see what happens to the world after this horrible whatever it is tentacle monster is released. Come back next week, everyone. Hear the new song. Check out the new book with us. Music by Miracle of Sound, and hopefully, everyone will feel much more satisfied. In uh, hold on, how many how, how many weeks is it? In uh, 21 weeks when we get to the end of Hero of Ages. Wow. Wasing to the time of next, everyone. We try, try, try to keep a little beauty in the world. All that die, 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 we keep it in our hands. Never let it fade